Here the old gods are dead. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hiya, this is a Creepy Wee Podcast. I'm Rebecca with Liam. Hi. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought I was like reading my notes. <laughs> Every time. It feels like this is like a bit now that you just dang and you communicate. <laughs> It's not a bit. I just like get in my head and I get a little bit nervous at the start of every episode. Uh, stage jitters, you know? Stage jitter. I hardly even know her. <laughs> What have you been up to, Liam? Well, so I finished rewatching Glee. Um, in the library this morning, and I started crying. <laughs> like, I, I was like, oh, well, I might as well watch the last episode because I got to all the way through to like the last episode, and I was like too tired to keep watching. Mm-hmm. And then in the library, I started crying. When they rededicate the auditorium to Finn, oh. <laughs> um, Like, I knew anyway. would come when you were rewatching Glee. I think this happens like every year. Liam will rewatch Glee and then text me being like, oh, "By the way, I'm in bits." <laughs> and I'm like, "What?" No, <laughs> <laughs> it's literally like the most emotionally provoking show of all time. I'm watching it ironically, but to an extent, I'm not. You're not watching it ironically uh, <laughs> at all. <laughs> I know, but like, I want to like maintain some level of like not a fucking loser, <laughs> you know. But... <laughs> No, that stopped when you started the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you got our ass. I took myself in with that one too. Speaking of being like emotionally distraught, I can't have any vice in my life. So like <laughs> I've gave up Julian and then immediately like got sick. Like I think I was like, I had stopped like last Monday, like my last Joe Pod ran it. And like Joe Pod's like, they didn't hit the same, like they run it so quick. If anybody doesn't care, these are like, disposable vape pods or whatever and i don't smoke anymore i don't take drugs uh, i sometimes drink alcohol but like I, my only thing was that i had a jewel and it made me happy and i gave it up for no particular reason mm-hmm. other than that like it wasn't economically vi- viable anymore so like what can the tories <laughs> can the tories please <laughs> give me a fucking break <laughs> because now i'm in brexit took my jewel pod literally now i've got like a stuffy nose a sore throat and i'm like absolutely inconsolably sad so like <laughs> what now as you should i need be. to find someone else I mean, to get addicted to now yeah but like think of it as in like oh you have no vices now now you're better than everybody else like you want get a week i'll be back on my job genuinely like i'm i'm like this is what happened I'm last like, time you got sick for a week and then started. I, like i mind i stopped for like months and i was like oh what's the point <laughs> quitting's for losers and i'm not a fucking yeah, loser life, life is short You might as well, like, embrace I might it. as well fill my lungs with fluid and get pneumonia. Exactly! Oh, mm, The world's going to burn up anyway. We're being, like, really fucking... <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, right like... Now. Well, normally I'm quite <laughs> chirpy, so, like... <laughs> and it's... I mean, I feel great. I think Becca's just having the withdrawal. I am. I'm, like, burning so... up. Like, the day when I was at work, I was, like, make a talk to me. Like, I'm sweating, like, fuck. Everything I said... <laughs> 
Oh, speaking of smoking, Doc Cotton Dog. <gasps> I know this episode's dedicated to her. June Brown, if you're listening from beyond the grave. She will be. Love you, babe. <laughs> yeah, she's she's one. She's one of us. No, that, was, that, t- that hit me hard. I rewatched In Memory of Her. I rewatched the Lady Gaga oh. uh, June Brown interview on Graham Norton. She was one of the best guests. That, the dynamic that they had, love. Lady Gaga and old people. It just makes sense. <laughs> It does, like Tony Absolutely. Bennett, Liza Minnelli, <laughs> June Brown. She gets it. She's the old person whispering. <laughs> She's like one of the cancer-smelling cats. <laughs> oh my god, you know why I know that line? It's because of Glee. It's because Sue Sylvester calls Kurt and Glee. <laughs> <laughs> We came full circle on the intro today. That's so oh, good. Yeah, You've been just segue after segue. Maybe withdrawal is good yeah, for you. Yeah, maybe the anger is like really good for me. It's got me energised. Passion is passion. Tap into it. Yeah. I was thinking how I'm going to segue into our spooky story that's been sent to us. Like, I genuinely don't know. By the way, this episode is going to be about the Lewis Chessman. Don't know. We, 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 never, told, <laughs> Great we, never, we never told anybody. <laughs> What the episode was going to be about at the end of the last episode because we had not decided because we were too busy like loving yeah. ourselves after that last episode. Live, laugh, love The it. last episode that we did was so shit hot. No offense. <laughs> no offense, other podcasts. Yeah, you did real good. I was there. I was <laughs> you, present, but you, you were there. You were you crying. <laughs> <laughs> and you were there. It was shit hot, but there was a breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> like the half an hour that you had to take to go. <laughs> I thought that was going. I had to breathe. I thought that was going to happen again today. Like Liam, like I literally just sit on TikTok until Liam's like, "Okay, I'm ready," and he was like, "I'm just going to finish this episode of The Simpsons, and then I'll and then I'll I'll phone you." And he was like, "Oh wait, my headphones aren't working. Why aren't they working?" And then like I had to take like I had to take several minutes, and I was like, "Oh, he's going to be in a break to again, and I'm going to do this episode by myself. Who can I phone? Who can co-host with me?" I did, I did cry. <laughs> I was running around my room like... <laughs> it's not that deep. Like, as I said, like, I was sitting at my desk and, like, I hear, like, a shit Argos seat that's, like, maybe 10 years old, maybe older than that. And uh, my arse was just hurting so much that I just, I've moved to my bed to podcast and he's, like, actually in tears about headphones and stuff and I'm like, it's really no that kind of podcast. <laughs> Like, as much as this is a Scottish history podcast, I feel like it's also a pop culture digest like, kind of podcast, so it's just... Yeah, it's a bit late. Yeah, it's but... not one of those. Unless you're me, in which case there's crying in it as well. Right. I say that, though, and, like, I would, I do take my research very seriously, but then when I dissect my research, I'm, like, writing in bits. Apart from this one, because it's so historical that I, like, couldn't even make a joke. And it's not even like it's like tense or anything yeah. like that. Like nothing bad happens. Like I was able to write content about like children getting murdered, but with the Lewis Chessman, I'm like, there's just, there's just no room for jokes. So it's here. Here are the jokes. <laughs> yeah, this one's for the academic girlies among us. I saw Batman this week. Thoughts and feelings. I mean, gr- great um, progression in his career, but also like sometimes the acting is like you would be better just being yourself like having fun and being yourself would be better than a little bit of like he pushed it a little yeah christian, which I didn't christian bale was the same but christian bale's kind of like that normally anyway so yeah i haven't seen it yet but i just think it's funny that glasgow city council have made the holy glasgow gotham for at least two batman things now and gotham if you haven't ever seen Batman, Gotham's literally such a dark and bleak shithole that's, like, rife with crime. And I just think it's so funny that Glasgow City Council were like, oh, us, 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 please book us, please book us, we are that, we are that. <laughs> me, me, please, me. <laughs> Imagine Batman um, att- attending the old firm. <laughs> oh, 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 the first song on the soundtrack was a Nirvana song. It's that kind of movie, and I really enjoyed it. What one yeah. was it? Can you remember? I will not disclose it because I think you'll laugh when you hear it. Okay, I'll, I'm, I think I'm going to go and see it soon. The thing that I'm booked in for this week, though, is to go to an escape room. So, can I like run in every time this week because I'm doing that? I'm like, <laughs> I was like, mate, have you got the bingo? And I was like, no, we should do an escape room. I would 
That's my worst nightmare. They don't appeal to me. I feel like I've just. Yeah. I, I feel like this is not the week for me to go in an escape room. Like, mayhaps I'll just buy a jewel on my way. <laughs> so, like, I didn't hammer my pals in the Take escape the room. Off. They were like, oh, they've got axe throw in there. I was like, I'm not a dickhead if I can be trusted to wield a pack. <laughs> I'm not going to jewel. <laughs> Anywho, anyway, <laughs> um, spooky hole. Yeah, like literally any way that I can segue this, but I did. Yeah, I just spooky hole. <laughs> I made like the an anal Capricorn like um, I made a spreadsheet. <laughs> All the people who sent us stories, so I, like start like Control F and like typed in beach. So this is what I've got <laughs> that relates to this episode. This is a spooky story to Kimberly. I quote. When I was younger, we used to take the ferry over to Tyree for our summer holiday. We would spend most of our day on one of the beaches, which was fairly quiet. One day on the beach, there was a huge black dog running about, jumping in the waves and behind rock formations. Me and my siblings tried to chase it and play with it, but it wouldn't get close enough for us to touch it. No one else was on the beach. My dad tried to see if its owner was about, and eventually the dog ran back around a big rock formation and we didn't see it again. We didn't see it on any of our other visits during our stay. On the ferry home... I picked up a book from the little shop all about Scottish goats and folklore. Please, if you can find the title of this book, let us him because we need sources. <laughs> <laughs> so she picks up this wee book on Scottish goats and folklore and it was sorted by areas. So she decided to check the places she had been to. And in Tyree, it had one story in the entire book and it was called The Black Ghost Dog. And this story detailed her experience in the same area, like basically verbatim. And then... She's. Shut she says, I've thought a lot, a lot about it over the years and tried to find the same book, but have found other information about encounters on dogs on the island. So other people like can back this up, like black ghost dogs on Tyree, and she like actually ran into like a mythical beast. How fucking cool is that? I want what she has. Yeah, like we want experiences At least like it this. Wasn't like all we all we get is fucking <laughs> haunted. Like I want to see like one cool animal. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, we're, like, the Demi Lovato of, like, Scottish podcasting. Like, we're, like, ghost hunting, <laughs> alien hunting, like, anything what? we can do, we'll do. Have you not seen Demi Lovato's TV show where they, like, search for, like, cryptids and aliens and ghosts and no, shit? No, Demi Lovato's X-Files. <laughs> like, what the fuck? So, since that set the scene, everybody feeling like they're on a really cold beach and... <laughs> on an island <laughs> um, we're going to take a wee break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the worst chessmen Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods all at 50-80% to 80% less than other high-end brands And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So me and Liam just had the best break ever, which was like five minutes of us just having like the peak of your comedic careers and I've got to cut the whole thing out. <laughs> Maybe like one day we'll start releasing the full episodes on like Patreon or something. So you get to listen to us shit talk. Except for the ones where it's just us being like crying <laughs> or like it's deadly like, deathly silence <laughs> during the yeah break. it's just like going it's going okay <laughs> <laughs> or just me jilling <laughs> the, the... <laughs> anyway so let me set the scene for lewis chessman so as we mentioned in our fan and Isles episode lewis is part of the hebridean islands which are off the west coast of scotland this area's strategic location attracted the attention of Vikings, who, after settling in the Northern Isles, began to extend their influence down the western seaboard into the Hebrides, Argyll, and then ultimately they went as far as Dublin. After a century of Viking raids and sporadic settlement, the Hebrides came under Norse control in the middle of the 9th century under Kettle Flatnose, who essentially established an independent kingdom of the Isles. Two centuries later, Norse control of the Hebrides was formalised by the Scottish king Edgar, who gave up the islands to the Norwegian king Magnus III. This was clearly a diplomatic fiction, however, in that Magnus had to conquer the local chiefs in a bloody campaign as described by his bard Bjorn Cripplehand. I fucking love these Viking names. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, these names are so much more interesting, like Charles II, Edward III. Bjorn Bjorn Cripplehand is giving. (laughs) (laughs) It's giving. Scream too. Yeah. (laughs) Take my strong picture. Um... (laughs) <laughs> so Bjorn Gravelhand said described <laughs> right. Bjorn described the bloody campaign as fire spouted from the houses and the king dyed his sword red in blood. In reality the island's population remained Gallic under the control of the local kings who were a mixed Gallic and Norse background for another century until the creation of the Lordship of the Isles by Summerled the Great in 1156. He was the progenitor of the Gaelic clan MacDonald, which would maintain its permanent position in Western Scotland until the 1745 Jacobite Rising. Hey, wow, long today. I know. I think my ancestors come from McDonald. I think they're like an offshoot of McDonald. <laughs> Most people in Scotland actually are. Uh, <laughs> so by the time that the chessmen were found, Lewis was well on its way to being depopulated because of the Highland clearances. Not an episode goes by that we can't mention this. It's almost as if it was a, a fundamental turning point in yeah. Scottish history. Yeah. yeah. Things like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Julia Fox stan account area. Yeah. So if you do not like Julia Fox, please leave. <laughs> yeah, unsubscribe. I take your shit. If the world's against Julia Fox, I am against the world. <laughs> and the words be my friend Sam. So the Lewis Chessmen are a group of 93 distinctive 12th century chess pieces which have been carved to walrus ivory. 93 distinctive pieces. So like, I think like 70 odd of them are little figures and then another like 15 of them are like flat counter type things that are called tablemen. The Horde Ivory Chessmen, which would become known as Lewis Chessmen, were found on a beach in Uig in 1831. That much is a fact, but how they were found and exactly where has been up for debate ever since. With Lewis being a place where folklore and storytelling is no stranger, there's more than one account of the Horde's discovery. According to a well-known story, sometime in the 17th century, a servant of Valen Aquila, who was also known as the Red Gilly, spied a young sailor fleeing his ship with a bundle in his hands up the beach in Yug, which turned out to contain mm. the Lewis chessmen. The Gilly tried making pals with a sailor to get close to him and get his treasure, but he ended up murdering him instead because that must have been easier. <clears throat> and then he buried it for recovery at a later date as he fled the scene. He actually never managed to return to Yug, though, 
to recover it and his crime was only uncovered when he confessed it later at the scaffold and stored away when he was being hung for other misdemeanors. It said misdemeanors. I was like, is murder a misdemeanor? <laughs> is murder a misdemeanor? I feel like it's a bit more severe than that. Yeah, I changed that. I was like, like editing that to crimes. <laughs> like pissing on a church or something may be a misdemeanor. Like you didn't like like not purposefully. Who among it's us? a hate crime if you purposely did. <laughs> <laughs> but like I don't know. I feel like that's just crime. Yeah. Just say crime. Just say crime. It's like when people it's like when people say gaslight and they just mean lie. <laughs> like they say lie. <laughs> so as exciting as this story is, there's no actually record yet being told prior to the Chessman's discovery in eighteen thirty one. And there were a few local historians in Lewis who recorded like quite a lot of the local lore. Um Mm. The most widely held account of the discovery is that of a Malcolm McLeod who lived near Uig. He discovered the trove in a small stone kist, which is kind of like a coffin-shaped... It's like slabs that have been like rested up against each other to make kind of like a coffin shape. Apparently he's seen this in a sand dune mm. and then like lifted the lid and then found the pieces inside like wrapped in cloth. He exhibited them briefly in his barn and then sold them on to a captain, Roderick Ryrie, uh, one detail actually states that Malcolm's cow was the one that unearthed the stash, but this is generally discounted as a fabrication. Some accounts also say that MacLeod found them near the ruins of a nunnery in Uig, known as Teen and Kaliak Dua. Kaliak? Anyone? For you. That was a lot. <laughs> oh my god, no way. So, I never even clocked that. So, Teen and Kaliak Dua essentially means the house of the black women, but it, it's referring to <laughs> women who wear black, and it was a nunnery. So it's referring to the colour of their, of their habits. I thought that was kind of cool. So That's slick. Kaliak and or Kaliak comes for like women, old women, a throwback to a yeah. previous episode that we may have done. Go uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Go> listen. <laughs> After the Isle Lewis was purchased by Sir James Matheson in 1844, Malcolm McLeod and his family were actually evicted during the Highland Clearances, which transformed this area, Elias, into sheep farms. Ryrie, that captain, exhibited the horde at a meeting of the Scottish Society of Antiquities on April 11th, 1831. The chessmen were then soon split up, with ten being purchased by Charles Kirkpatrick Sharp, a Scottish artist and antiquarian, and then the others, 67 chessmen and 14 tablemen, were purchased on behalf of the British Museum in London. Ooh, this stinks. <laughs> Throws tomatoes. <laughs> Throws tomatoes. Throws tomatoes. That is not an anti-English sentiment, by the way. I'm just so against the British Museum, it actually pains me. Yeah. And I feel like ethically everyone should be. Yeah. But, you know, some people are like, they have every right to have that thing. And it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a strong Jeez. opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Kirkpatrick Sharp later found another bishop to take his collection up to 11 kind of similar to like if anybody remembers the news story like a few years ago where somebody found a bishop in their drawer which was worth like yeah. nearly a million quid like just found one of the Lewis chessmen in a drawer um, I was reading that and I was like I'm like excited when I find like 40 pence in my pocket I'm like oh my god rich I can <laughs> the subway home but like, <laughs> A million pounds in your drawer? Bitch. You can it was like some then, like person who's like dad worked at a university and just yoinked it be somewhere. His name's Percival. I just know it. Do you? No offense to anyone called Percival. <laughs> <laughs> so Kirkpatrick Sharp sells his collection to a guy called Lord Lundesborough, and then in eighteen eighty eight they were sold again, but this time the purchaser was the Society Antiquities of Scotland, who then donated the pieces to the Royal Scottish Museum in Edinburgh. The 11 of them are now on display in the National Museum of Scotland. So... Mm. 11 doesn't seem like a lot. It isn't, compared to like the however fucking many are in London. Anywho, Liam, do you want to tell me a little <laughs> bit about what these little guys look like and girls, theys, thems? Yes, people. People. people, just say people. <laughs> Bigot. <laughs> right, you're cancelled. I'm cancelling you. Um, yeah, so like logically, the next thing to talk about would be like where they're from. But 
to like establish when and where they're from you actually need to know about the pieces which is really interesting and in like an art history kind of way uh, i'm an academic did anyone know <laughs> um, so like like i said there's like 79 of the chessmen that includes the one the guy found in his drawer among them there's eight kings eight queens 16 bishops 15 knights 13 rooks club another club no fleet <laughs> bus Another I love listing things because then I just immediately go club, <laughs> no sleep, another club. Um, yeah, and 19 pawns. All of their designs are deeply reflective of the time period and region in which they were made. Um, so like the kings, like all the pieces vary in size, um, suggesting that these may be from like multiple different incomplete sets mm -hmm. or like spare parts to be sold for sets as opposed to being a full set in their own right mm -hmm. and the kings themselves are like they have like a full beard or a clean shaven but either way they are like notably they have like a skinny face and they're like so intricately designed on these thrones and with like flora and fauna all around them and they're like always like just staring so like vacantly mm -hmm. serial killer stare bulbous eyes with like a sheathed sword on their lap and i just think they're so cunt i think all of them are so cunt because the eyes are disturbing the queens who i think are like better than the kings in this one because they're so funny looking <laughs> um they kind of like dictate that you it's like a traditional like european chess set because like this is one of the oldest found chess sets in the world. There are older ones, but usually they're from like Islamic countries mm -hmm. where instead of like a queen, they have um, the king's like male advisor because like in European countries, the queen was like on display yeah, being seen in like a big statement. But in this time in like the Islamic countries, um, it wasn't so much that dynamic. Yeah. It wasn't the same. You can also tell because it's like an actual depiction of people, whereas in like... Um, the like older Islamic boards, it's more abstract depictions so that you're not like falsely like um representing the human physic figure. Um oh. which I think is like blasphemy or something. Yeah. So that place is part of it, but like she is so like macabre looking. Like she has she looks like Caroline Polachek and the so hot you're hurting my feelings uh dance routine like she has her hand on the side of her face and then like her other hand under her elbow and she just looks so so depressed i think the purpose of it was to make her look like pensive and like mm -hmm. thinking about the thinking about whatever but she looks so sad and i like to think that she is sad because in the 12th century in chess the queen could only move one diagonal square at a time. What the fuck? It's not like how she moves now. Mm. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> it, it was it wasn't until I really went in with researching the girl bossification of the queen in chess <laughs> because <laughs> it wasn't until the 15th century um, that the queen was able to move in all like in all the directions of the bishop and the rook like mm -hmm. side to side mm -hmm. and diagonal. Um, oh my god! Hold down! Throw down! Billy Cyrus. <laughs> Zigzag, cross the floor, shuffle the Anyway, it was actually because of um, Isabella I of Spain, they think, to reflect her political power. They made the queen on the chessboard able to move in different directions and be the most powerful player on the board, effectively. Love this fact. Isn't that, that's kind Chess is feminism, so... Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Okay, now without a doubt, the best player on this board is the Berserker. T. So, like, in the contemporary, like, standard chess set, you have the Rook or Castle, which moves up and down, side, side, um, shuffle and diagonal. But in the Lewis Chessman set, it's replaced by a Berserker, which sort of places, again, that this is a Norse board because the Berserker is, like, um, a Norse folklorish creature, of like the berserker tribe and berserker literally translates to bearskin um in ancient like norse language um, and these were people that like worshipped odin and the bear hide they wore on their back like they, they did some ritual that gave them like power to be like this completely animalistic powerful force on the battlefield mm -hmm. and they think that this is actually part of what inspired like uh, modern werewolf myths love, love. There's so there's so much about this chessboard that is so like 
culturally significant. I was blown away. I would just like to say that Berserkers reminded me of the game The Witcher 3. And this is a detail that I have never seen anybody else pick up on online. Is there's a cutscene in The Witcher 3 where there's a mad king and he's sitting on a chessboard in front of him. And the pieces on the board that he's playing on are the Lewis chessmen. Yeah. And nobody's ever picked up on it because I can remember I was playing it and it was the first time I was playing it was years ago and I like stopped the game and I was like Lewis Chessman The Witcher 3 and none came up. I don't know if anybody on Reddit or anyone seen it since but like the Lewis Chessman as Liam said are arguably like the most famous chess pieces in the world so it would, name, it would make sense for them to turn up like in media but that's the only time I've ever seen them actually come up. Yeah like the only like cultural thing that usually comes up about them is that they were in they were like the chessboard Ron plays on in the Harry Potter movies. Oh. Like they were also modelled after it. But not the big one. I actually No, the little oh, one. The little because like the painting the paint so basically uh the original chessboard in the loose chessmen, they because they're made of either narwhal ivory or like whale tooth, the coating of paint has come off of them, but you so they're all like cream coloured now, but some of them have residue of like a dark red mm-hmm. paint on them. Mm-hmm. And then in Harry Potter, they're actually that colour. The next piece is one of the only pieces that, like, across times and regions is, like, kept relatively consistent, which is the knight, represented by, like, either a horse on its own or a person on a horse, Mm -hmm. or, like, a horse carving with, like, a person carving carved into the horse, which is very cool and abstract. (laughs) I like it when they do that. Um... But yeah, the, this set is funny because all of the horse legs are really stubby. But like, there's like in Iceland, which again, Nordic region, uh-huh. um, horses that have been purebred from the 12th century onwards uh, still have these tiny little stubby legs. Oh, like Shetland ponies. Wait, yeah, hold they're, up. They're, they're, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly, because it was on the trade route. So they're probably some sort of derivative of that because they were pony sized. Love. Um, but I guess Shetland ponies are smaller because they don't really need to be big. I don't know. <laughs> um, Googling, yeah. the Shet- the- <laughs> Googling the Shetland pony. Googling the little horsey. Oh, oh, what a bang yeah. and fringe that horse has got. Yeah, so <laughs> there, was a, there was a photo shoot done by a photographer called Gary Mallon, who is from LA, and he's like a fine art photographer. And he did a photo shoot with Icelandic horses where he had their hair absolutely laid. I don't know if it was actually wigs <laughs> on the horses or if it was their mane, but they look like Lady Gaga and Beyonce in the telephone video, and I am obsessed. <laughs> like Liam sent me a picture earlier of a horse and a wig, and he went, wait, what's he saying? I said, keep this in mind, we'll stop. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I was like, Sarah Jessica Parker? <laughs> It does look like her, so I'll I'll allow it. (laughs) Moving on. um, The pawns are probably one of the best, like, indicator of, like, classism and how class worked in the Romanesque, like, Nordic countries um, because they're the only piece on the board that isn't, like, an actual figure displaying a person. It's, like, just an abstract symbol of a person, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, like... Instead of being a person, they're just like a little... A lot of people describe them as bullet-shaped, but I saw one source describe them as tombstone-shaped, which I think is way more, like, poetic, because, like, it really shows you that, like, they were faceless, indispensable peasants on the front of the battlefield. I hate that. So they were just, like, sent to die, you know? Um, That has remained true since. Exactly. Every war since. Mm. Yeah, we're political on this podcast. Yeah, I'm actually (laughs) trying not to be political. (laughs) Yeah. Neutrality is for losers. Yeah. If you're neutral, you're on the side of the oppressor. Oh my god, so true, bestie. Yeah, I came up for that. Oh my god. You're so intelligent. Yeah, no. You've literally always said that. I have always said that. I've never heard it from anyone else. <laughs> no. So, like, the most important figure on the board, though, in terms of, like, the cultural significance of this board are the bishops. Um, so these are, like, 
the most indicative of the time period and most indicative of the board as a whole um, because of the bishop's little pointy hat. <laughs> so the pointy hat, a mitre, up until 1150, bishops wearing these would wear them like side to side. So it kind of looked like little horns uh-huh. almost instead of like the dip front and back way. But on this board, they're like a front facing mitre. So that you, you know it's placed around the 12th century because it was changed after that. I fucking love art history. Me too. I was reading this and I was like, how, like, who thinks that? Like, who goes to that place immediately? Like, it makes sense, but like... Uh-huh. That's brilliant. Genius moves. Yeah. Um, so I hear you, I hear you ask, this board seems to so far be reflecting a battlefield mm-hmm. and like a berserker of all things, like actual war. So how did this like fat bishop with a cane and bulbous <laughs> eyes make it onto the chess set? Uh-huh. Well, herein lies how we find out where they could be from and why. <laughs> <laughs> Like every other historical event we have discussed on the Creepy Wee Pod, <laughs> historians fight over where they think the chess set was made. There are two main schools of thought on this one. Mm-hmm. So Icelandic people, obviously because this is like one of the most famous chess sets in the world, are like, oh, it's definitely from Iceland. <laughs> so Skalholt in Iceland used to be one of the like biggest sort of like Nordic areas in this era. And there was a very famous carver called Margaret the Ardua, who was famed for her ivory works and was known to be commissioned by like rich bishops in the area. And so they think that because this is actually like the first known board where you can actually see a bishop on the board, because other boards have like war elephants, Mm -hmm. like this is possibly the first change to the contemporary board um, they think that maybe the bishops were like put me on there <laughs> book me a slot i want to be on the war front um so that's one theory mm-hmm. but the by far the more like strongly held theory is that they're from trondheim in norway mm-hmm. so trondheim was the ancient capital of norway it's like a little bit north a few hundred miles north of Oslo, I think. And basically they think that perhaps, well, because of the berserkers as well, it's thought like, oh, well, Norse, Norse mythology, it would make sense that the board is Norse. Yeah. It's also thought that like, because of where they were found, because Lewis is on the trade route between Trondheim and Dublin in that era, Mm -hmm. that possibly a ship either wrecked or a guy came off the boat and buried them there for like safekeeping or like they washed up on their own. And then they just were never found again because... And do you think it's that sailor that got murdered? Yeah. I love when, I loved your story because I was like, oh, <laughs> that makes sense. Another theory of as to why people think they were at time, like putting the nail in the coffin, is someone actually took the time and looked at all of the imperfections in some of the pieces and like the way they're carved and the different shapes and sizes makes it look like... um at least five people carved all the different figures uh-huh. but they're not made by one person so the theory that just margaret made them everyone's called margaret i know margaret or megan i yeah. watched a few documentaries and read some stuff and mm, didn't, didn't really get the icelandic vibe but i know why you would want to put a claim on that speaking of yeah. wanting to put a claim on that and having one of these pieces <laughs> <laughs> We're going to wrap this up by having a wee discussion where me and Liam are going to create an echo chamber in <laughs> 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 what we think the rightful resting place of these pieces should be. Obviously, as we said earlier, a lot of these pieces are in London and fair enough, they were purchased by the National Museum in London. Um but I think me and Liam share the same opinion where I think that these pieces shouldn't even be in Edinburgh. I think the whole set should be in Lewis. Yeah, well, this is the thing. The, the National History Museum is never going to give them up, though, because um, I was reading so many things and a lot of them were saying, oh, so much footfall comes here to see the Lewis Chessmen. And I'm like, oh. Great. Have you seen the fucking display they have them in? Yeah, it's, it's so It's so underwhelming. I could do better. Yeah. Once again, I could be a better curator of the museum. <laughs> I I just think that 
if you Google if you Google uh, uh, like Lewis Chessman, you'll see these huge wooden statues that have been carved, and they're on the beaches in Lewis that are shaped like the different pieces of the Lewis chess set. So, like, imagine like the effort that they've put into putting stuff outside, like what they could yeah. fashion and create inside their own exhibit, and how much footfall that would bring to the Western Isles. Um, know that, like, obviously, Lewis is a popular destination for like hikers and travelers and stuff like that. But it's they deserve their own culture. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's part of their history. Just... It should be there, yeah. and the same goes for every single other stolen stolen item that's in. The National Museum, like there's a whole Literally. app that you can download on your phone, and if you go to the National Museum in London, you can take a tour, and it tells you where the pieces actually came from and who they were stolen from, whether it be Greece or Egypt or different tribes in Africa and stuff. And I can that these pieces in the Lewis chess set were purchased, but what benefit are they having to the history of London by being there or the history of England? There's so many things, like kind of like the Sutton Who. Like, that's such an interesting piece of English history, and it does deserve to be in an English museum. I get that the whole thing is like, oh, well, it's so great to, like, be able to see all of these things here and then educate people, but at the same time, like, (laughs) it's not your thing to make profit on, you know? Have you ever seen that, like, there's a set of, like, pillars that are for Greece, and there's, like, a there it's in Greece, and it's in this big display um, ancient architecture and there was one pillar missing and they made a point of leaving the gap because the pillar that's missing is standing alone looking pretty dull in the National Museum in London. It's, it's the same that's thing where the, like if you Google like the the National Museum in London, Lewis Chessman, you can see the display that they're in. It's like plexi plastic like perspex that they're all balancing upon and they just look, it just looks really shit. Like, they're just in the middle of a room, surrounded by loads of other stuff. So, like, it's not like they're taking, like, centerpiece where kind of, like, they're serving, like, a great importance. I just think yeah, that, there's like... so many ways you could do the display, like, even on some sort of perspex. So you had some sort of, like, lit chessboard or, like, some sort of built chessboard sort of, like, appearance underneath the perspex or something. It's... And, like, there's so many more, like, camp fun ways to it's do it. The whole thing about, like museums and even like the history museum in edinburgh is also also has things for different countries i just think it dilutes like how rich like especially england too considering that they've got stuff like the sutton who and they've got like a rich history like romans and picts as well like lived in england and there's like so yeah, much like the roman artifacts that are actually there uh-huh, like <laughs> cool actually mosaics and stuff like that that could be displayed in the National History Museum, and of course there are, but things from different countries and cultures that have been stolen taking centre place, and it just doesn't really sit well with me. Like, as somebody who's fascinated by history, like, it does leave me an icky taste. I mean, if I do, I've never been to the National Museum in London, and I didn't intend to go. Like, if I want to go and see, like, that was, like, when I was in the Louvre, and I was, like, I was, like, gone around, and I was seeing all this, like, um, renaissance art which is really boring no gonna lie i didn't really rate the, the louvre <laughs> the mona lisa was kind of lit though and then like seeing like all the like the statues and stuff was nice but if you went to the bottom level of the louvre in, in paris there's a whole a huge section that's just dedicated to egyptology and it made me feel sick yeah because obviously they're building like a really huge egyptology museum in egypt at the moment like and the it's like a huge thing dedicated to all the pharaohs and it looks amazing but like imagine how much better their collection would be if they had their own fucking stuff yeah and like the stuff is never displayed in like an appealing way and it's sort of as if because there is no passion behind it because it is not indigenous history of the area that's displaying it they have no idea how to it's present not, it. In a way it's, that it's not passionate. romantic at all. That's yes. like they have a they have a um I can't remember how to pronounce the name of the statues that are from Eastern Easter Island, the like the heads. You know what I mean? I think they're called Maui or something like that. I'm unsure. Yeah. Um Moai or something. Mo, yeah. Um sorry if we're pronouncing that wrong. Um but there's one yeah. of them in the Louvre as well, and it's just in an empty corridor. <laughs> like it doesn't belong there at all and you can tell it doesn't belong there because they think like they're like oh it's so cool we've got like one of the Easter Island statues let's just plop it 
in this it's random... It's peacocking. It's literally just peacocking. Yes. Yeah, I wonder if one of them's in the National Museum. Anyway. Um, Probably. That was our soapbox moment, but we're not the only people who share that opinion. A lot of nationalist politicians and parties do share this opinion that the... And, a lot of them are politicians who are actually for the Western Isles and represent the Western Isles who want the pieces yeah, to be the, returned. Um, yeah, the Western Isles MP in like 2009 or something. Yeah. Not make a ruckus. 2007, a dispute arose. Uh, Linda Fabiani, who was the Scottish Minister for Europe and External Affairs and Culture, stated that it is unacceptable that only 11 Lewis chessmen rest at the National Museum of Scotland whilst the other 67, as well as the 14 Tablemen, remain in the British Museum in London. These views were quickly dismissed by Margaret Hodge, who was the then UK Minister of the State, Culture, Media and Sport, who wrote, it's a lot of nonsense, isn't it? It's just really <laughs> fucking annoying, especially when it's a politician who doesn't understand the significance of your culture and your history, just to dismiss it really quick and be like, oh, this is a stupid argument to be having. And fair enough, like, I'm sure the Labour Party were pretty run off their feet in 2009, if anybody can remember that. <laughs> so it might have seemed trivial at the time. But, like, these things, like, you can put up that argument at any moment in time and be like, oh, there's a better time to talk about this. Ken, like, when Scottish people, like, and I'm not saying that we should be doing this right now, but when Scottish people ask for independence right now and, like, Westminster are like, oh, no, right now, we're going through, like, all this stuff. And it's like, well, when is going to be a good time? <laughs> like, when is going to be a good time to, like, try and, like, reclaim some of your fucking shit? Yeah. <sighs> like... I mean, these are arguably the best, the most important treasures that Scotland has ever had. Yeah. The most important artefacts. Like, up there with the... Stony Destiny, and are they probably are a wee bit more important than that in terms of like cultural significance? I even think like splitting them between like Lewis and even like Norway to display them because obviously it's like an important part of like Norse history too. If you can figure out where they're actually from, because that would be kind of shit to Iceland, but like not England. <laughs> they do. It doesn't they even do. make sense in Edinburgh. It doesn't even make sense in Edinburgh. They do so... travel. They have travelled before for the yeah. National Museum in London and made their way to Edinburgh and then went to Uig as well. And the Historical Society in Uig, um, which operates a museum near the find site, features detailed information about the chessmen, which, even though they can't claim that they own them and I don't know if they can even use like certain imagery like I'm not sure if these are actually trademarked or not um, they shouldn't be it should be in the public domain but they say yeah. that they, they can't claim to own the pieces uh, and would allow the normal museum's market to determine if the original should rest in Edinburgh or in Newark they didn't, they didn't care as long as they come back to come back to Scotland in some kind of way and they welcome short term loans in the meantime which is quite humble of them which is I mean, mad respect would not be me, and it quite clearly is to me, because I don't know if there's a petition or not to bring these back to Scotland, but I would like to see it. Um, like, if the Stony Destiny can be back in Scotland and the Scottish Crown Jewels can remain in Edinburgh, then I don't understand why these pieces that are, like... Like, I can't, st- like I can't understate how important these are to Scottish history. Like, it literally pisses me off so much that they're not here. It's because they do generate so much footfall, even though they're displayed so horribly there. Yeah. And they're not they're just not gonna give it up because Yeah. Bastards. Can, if, Bastards. If you find treasure in Scotland that it belongs to the crown immediately. What? Yeah. Obviously I thought because I Googled it, I was like, Oh, what happens if you find treasure? I would assume that it would go to like a historical society or like for archaeologists to determine, but not it immediately belongs to the crown. No matter whose land, who owns the land that you find it on, it belongs to the crown. You might as well just keep it and just not say anything. But I, if you say any thoughts or feelings about anything we've spoke about today, if you want to tell us that they belong in the National Museum in London, you can go fuck yourself. We really don't care. But if you hear any <laughs> stories... Say it if you want, but we won't listen. Yeah, we actually won't listen. If you hear any stories, scary stories, that you want read out on the next episode, please let us can. Uh, the next couple of episodes, Liam's actually going to be away. He's taking a little break for his yeah. exams, but I've found... Working girl, give a twirl, give a twirl, give a twirl. I've found cover, <laughs> so I'll be back in a couple of weeks and I'll be talking about some scary, scary folklore and then 
fully in that. It's going to be me and my friend Holly talking about some five folk tales. So it's, it's all mapped out. It's going to be fine. We're going to be here. Um, but well taken care of. Yeah. And if she's funnier than me, she <laughs> she's she's getting booted. You're not even allowed to be friends with her. <laughs> she's been like begging me for a shout out on the, on the podcast, and I was and like, no, just episode. just come on. <laughs> she was she, she messaged me. And she was like, I'll do it. <laughs> and I was like, no, your chance. <laughs> um, but I, if anybody wants to leave us a rating review. Uh, a written review on iTunes really helps. Five stars on nothing else. Five stars on Spotify. Subscribe. Turn on the notification bell, etc., etc. You can follow us. Download the old episode. Yeah, re-listen to the old episodes. You can share us with your pals. Also, uh, follow us on Instagram at the Creepy Wee Podcast, Twitter at the Creepy Wee Pod. Our website is thecreepywepodcast.co.uk. Thanks. Bye. What are you waiting for? Huh? What are you waiting for? (laughs) What are you waiting for? Okay, that was good. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.